you're listening to Plug In with Power Sports Finance, a monthly podcast that features interviews with experts from across the industry. For today's episode, we have something special in store. We sat down with Sam Paschal, CEO of Zero Motorcycles, one of the leaders in the electric motorcycle market. Sam will be participating in a fireside chat at Power Sports Finance Summit on October 23rd through October 24th in San Diego. During today's conversation, we talk with Sam about everything from the origins of the company to the growing prominence of electric vehicles and power sports. Without further ado, we'll let Sam kick things off with how Zero got started and how the European market compares to the U.S. We're a U.S.-based brand. Um, 13 years old, we were founded in 2006 in just outside of the Bay Area um, in Santa Cruz, California. Mm-hmm. By a former NASA engineer, was a guy named Neil Psyche. Mm-hmm. He was a he was a two wheel off road enthusiast who took like essentially a, a really scaled up mountain bike frame and a very rudimentary powertrain and built the first zero motorcycles. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're a 13 year old EV company. The fact that we were founded in California and we still all of our, our North American operations, all of our manufacturing, we built all of the bikes right there near Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes us look, feel, act, and think very much like a North American brand. The split of revenue is almost, as of last year, and we're seeing obviously a differential in growth, is almost 50-50 between Europe and the United States. Um, and Europe's growing at a pace where we see a lot of robust growth, but Europe's growing at a pace that is even greater than what we're seeing in North America. So mm. this year it should become our largest region. Now, it's a continent and it's not a country, and there's multiple languages, and mm. there's different legislation and incentives and charging infrastructure, so it's more complex than just like what is a fairly monolithic U.S. market and Canadian market, um, but it is faster growing and by the end of this year, I expect, unless something dramatic happens, it will be our largest region. Yeah, and like I know that you mentioned that you guys entered the space in 2006, did you, <laughs> did you identify a market desire for electric motorcycles even, I don't know, 13 years ago? I, know, I can't. I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. I think that I can. I, what I can talk the the impetus that really started the initial idea and investment. It was a guy who was a mad scientist, tinkerer, engineer. Mm-hmm. Who honestly, it was his specific consumer desire to want to be able to ride dirt bikes in his backyard without having the neighbors call the cops. Mm-hmm. So it was very use based then, mm-hmm. right? And now we're talking about a really early prototype of what is now a fully functional electric motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So that was the desire then. Uh, I think now what you're looking at is an investment thesis for us um, that's evolved from don't call the cops <laughs> to something a little bit more advanced. Um, mm-hmm. I think I had to ask these questions before I decided to, uh, d- during the interview process and the recruiting process to come on board Zero, you needed to believe in four fundamental things to believe that there was a future for electrification in two wheels. Um, number one, you needed to believe that electric vehicles would continue to grow as a percentage of global transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough, two and a half years ago, people were kind of like, yeah, it, we believe it'll probably happen in cars, but it mm-hmm. may not. If it happens in the power sports space, that was the kind of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And now it's gone from if to when. It's mm-hmm. become an inevitability on the motorcycle side as well, just in conversations, engagements with media, engagements with dealers and consumers. But you had to believe that electric would continue to grow as a portion of um, transportation. You needed to believe that motorcycles and power sports would be a part of that transition, specifically as infrastructure continued to grow and as technology continued to advance. Mm -hmm. You needed to know, and and I didn't early on in the interview process, that 
the same time that power sports vehicles they can be relatively high polluters versus how efficient and how clean cars have gotten, um, you had to know that just about every two years as the chemistry continues to improve, even with just lithium-ion batteries, which is the sort of first phase of scalable energy storage, you had to know that those batteries are getting 8 to 10% better, more energy density, more power density every year to two years. It's almost like Moore's Law. We continue to find ways to get this really great tailwind in performance and range out of just chemistry improvements in lithium-ion. Hmm. At the same time, because of production scale, we're starting to see prices flatten or ramp down. So you have a great tailwind as a business in performance range, and one financially, um, building the bike half of the cost of one of these motorcycles is the battery. So when you have a tailwind now where the cost of your battery pack is coming down, that's in direct opposition to what you're facing on the gas side, which is more and more stringent emissions regulations. You know, We have red tags in California that say you can't ride this motorcycle here, 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 except during these periods. In Europe, you're seeing cities that have odd days and even days as far as any internal combustion engines going into cities, congestion taxes for combustion vehicles, even here in New York emerging. Um, so you have all these great tailwinds from a battery standpoint. Um, so I understood all that intellectually, and then I've been a motorcycle rider since I was eight. Mm. Um, and uh, I finally decided about a couple months into the recruiting process to go try Zero. And what I found in the riding experience was transformational. Like um, The experience of riding any power sports vehicle, specifically a motorcycle, it engages all of the senses. Um, the sense of, the, you know, the visual sense of riding it, what you see, and from a sense of taste standpoint, I guess you can eat as many bugs on an electric bike as you can <laughs> on a gas bike. Mm-hmm. Um, from a, an acoustic, from a hearing standpoint, from a touch standpoint, and from an olfactory or a smell standpoint, fundamentally different experience. No exhaust and no fumes. Um, there isn't a lot of noise to sort of drown out what's happening in the space. Like you can hear what's going on around you much more clearly. Uh, but for me, the biggest difference was from a tactile sense. If uh, do you do you both ride or have you ridden a motorcycle? Only once. <laughs> um, you ride for about 50 miles, and like your hands tend to go numb just from the vibration. Even on a really smooth bike, like the mm-hmm. whole thing is shaking. It's mostly engine, but all of that vibration was gone. And all I feel when I ride a zero is like a really pure connection between me and the road. Um, that's a fundamentally different physical sensation mm-hmm. than riding a gas bike. Mm-hmm. So I knew and I believed, or obviously, if I didn't believe this, I wouldn't be the guy sitting here. Mm-hmm. I believed that electric would grow as a portion of global transportation. Mm-hmm. I believed that motorcycles would be a part of that as infrastructure continued to grow and tech continued to evolve. Um, I understood the dynamics of the battery portion of what we were building, uh, and then I rode the bike. Mm-hmm. And I went from being sort of interested in the electric motorcycle thing to like, desperately wanting a job at zero um, and being really lucky to, to land the gig. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I hope they gave you a free one. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to comment. <laughs> I think one of the benefits of working there is a lot of the employees get access to ride mm-hmm. electric motorcycles. Cool. I, I, way more than 50% of the time I commute on one of our bikes. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Oh, cool. Very it takes the worst part of my day and makes it the best part of my day. Mm-hmm. I've got, I've got two young kids, and they're like, why do you ride on your motorcycles to work every day? And I'm like, it's like I get to ride a roller coaster to work. And they're like, that is so cool. <laughs> I think that I said that, you know, I think obviously, like, as you said, like, over the past two years, you know, it's been growing uh, in prominence, both electric uh, and zero. I was like, I think, like, maybe this year is going to be maybe, like, 
one of the most uh, important, like vital years, or it seems like it's this year. It's like there are dominoes in place that are kind of ready sure. to take off, both from like I think your guys' perspective, from other competitors en- entering the field. Like you know, Harley's got the live wire coming out. But so, what's kind of like your viewpoint on that? Do you think like not that like this is the year that it happens, but like how is this year going to kind of progress forward? Um, that's a good question. I think that when uh, when you're in a situation like this, or you're a market disruptor, and you've been mm-hmm. in as long as we have, um, you want to always believe that you're right on the cusp of major transition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I'm not a neutral party. I want to. Mm-hmm. So I have to step back and look at it objectively. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what are the things that you would look at that would indicate to you that you're hitting a different part of a rapid growth curve? Mm-hmm. Um, I look at number one EV sales overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 2011, which is a full five years after we started, the total number of plug-in vehicles of all types sold in the United States was about 18,000 units. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, it was over 360,000 mm-hmm. units. Um, and it's growing this year at about a 25% rate in North America, mm-hmm. 40% rating globally as far as electric adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're seeing an acceleration both in the news and in sales on four-wheel electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. That drives infrastructure. That drives awareness and adoption from people about electrics generally. The batteries and the technology, as far as charging infrastructure goes, are very similar, so mm-hmm. they work. And you're seeing more and more sort of regional, national, and international incentives that are driving greater adoption. Mm-hmm. So check the box. Like infrastructure is growing, EV space is growing, adoption is growing. The biggest indicator for us is my largest problem as CEO right now is ramping my supply to meet demand on mm-hmm. a new bike. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend a disproportionate amount of my time, and we just had a board meeting, talking about how we're expediting parts and uh, expanding the number mm-hmm. of shifts that we run, expanding our manufacturing facilities, looking at increasing tooling, uh, looking at expediting bikes to Europe and to the United States dealers to meet demand. We have a backlog that's the largest in our history mm-hmm. to produce the new motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And we've been in production since January, and we have not been able to catch up with demand. Mm-hmm. So if there was any indication for us that makes me mm-hmm. feel more comfortable believing that, like, yeah, we've hit a tipping point. And yes, there's competitive entry. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a phenomenal thing. Mm-hmm. One, it drives us to be better. Mm-hmm. A rising tide will lift all ships. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really good thing. We've been the brand that helped define and create the category of electric motorcycles. Mm-hmm. I don't think we thought we'd be alone for the entirety of the transition. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And we need other brands to come in uh, and, and establish the market, help to build it, help to grow it, and push the technology forward. And you know, we have 13 years and millions of miles under the motorcycles in production environments of experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm more than comfortable that in a rapidly growing market, we'll get more than our fair share. Mm-hmm. So the competitive entry uh, and all of the news from from major established OEMs saying they're entering, mm-hmm. all of those signal, hopefully to the marketplace, definitely to us, that you're hitting a different kind of a ramp mm-hmm. when it comes to electric vehicle adoption. Um, and for the dealers that subscribe for you mm-hmm. and for us, like the fundamental belief that we that we walk through at zero was this. Right now, you have a certain number of brands and even certain dealers in markets that are dominating market share in their region, right? Mm-hmm. And um, right now, you have a certain group of winners and losers um, on this side of electrification. Mm-hmm. And the marketplace and the winners and losers 
in an $8 billion global market is going to look completely different mm. on the other side of electrification. You're going to create more fluidity in the market dynamics and who owns market share with this transition than has existed since it went from horses to cars. Mm. And when you're going to see that, and that much market share is up for grab, and you're looking at totally different dynamics, would you rather be two years early or two years late? Mm. For us, establishing ourselves as a technology and integration leader, refining what we're doing, understanding all of the partnership needs and service needs from a dealer standpoint, establishing a strong dealer network, understanding how to articulate the story, mm-hmm. um, all of those things. Um, we'd rather be two years early with a shift like that than a handful of years late mm-hmm. uh, because the stakes are massive. So for a dealer, if you can look through like, you know, hey, is electric going to grow or motorcycles going to be part of it? Mm-hmm. What, and what does this mean? Um, I think it's time as you see competitive entry to start establishing yourself in your region as the go-to dealer for electric motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's another brand, all respect to any competitors who are entering, mm-hmm. I don't think there's another brand that would substantiate you as that player besides mm-hmm. us because mm-hmm. we're the brand that defined and created the category. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you might have uh, touched on it uh, a little bit, but maybe you could uh, elaborate, you know, if there are, like, other options, obviously Zero kind of helped cr- create the, the prominence for uh, e-bikes, but what's kind of, like, the, the difference between, say, like, a Zero motorcycle versus, like, another competitor or something like that? What kind of, like, sets you apart? Um, okay, so the problems you face mm-hmm. when you're making an electric vehicle and electric motorcycle are fundamentally different from the gas side. So the, the power plant, the powertrain for the motorcycle, um, at high temperature and low temperature, at high states of charge, at low states of charge, will behave very, very differently if you don't have the right control systems mm-hmm. in place. Um, and we've had, again, like 13 years, millions of miles to refine that. Getting the bike, when you twist the throttle, to respond exactly the same way at, at when it's totally a full battery on the batteries at 20%. When it's mm-hmm. 90 degrees and 90% humidity like today, or when you're in Minnesota mm-hmm. in the fall or winter, mm-hmm. that's really, those are really big challenges that you face and have to solve. So fundamentally, you want to think about it like, this is a motorcycle with a central nervous system. It's a mm-hmm. motorcycle with a brain. Ours is Cypher 3. It's a third generation operating system mm-hmm. that, again, we've been working with and refining both on how the motorcycle operates and maintaining the health and... and um, efficiency and sort of longevity of the battery pack as well as its performance. Um, we have a central nervous system. We have a brain of an adult. Mm-hmm. We've had enough time to develop it. So I think the most fundamental difference is you need to be a motorcycle company. You need to be a software company. Mm-hmm. You need to be an industrial company and get these things produced at some level. And there are a lot of great motorcycle companies and a lot of great industrial companies that build motorcycles. Mm-hmm. You need to be a software company. You need to have a central nervous system and a brain that works. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's just coming into the market is very likely to have the brain of an infant. Mm-hmm. Infants are cute. Infants mm-hmm. are great. Mm-hmm. They're phenomenally unreliable. Mm-hmm. They soil themselves. They burp up. Mm-hmm. They fall asleep in inopportune moments. Yeah. They cry and throw temper tantrums. Mm-hmm. You're throwing a leg over a vehicle, right, that's going to go, in our, in our case, 125 miles an hour, have phenomenal torque and acceleration. You don't want that to have the central nervous system of a toddler. You want mm-hmm. that to have the central nervous system of a fully formed grown adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that we're on our third full iteration of the operating system that had all the time to work mm-hmm. that out and integrate the systems mm-hmm. is probably the biggest separation point. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, gotcha. Speaking of uh, adults versus uh, babies, what's kind of the... Uh, Let's go with the metaphor. I know, I'm going with it. Uh, what's kind of like the, the, the demographic for you know a zero motorcycle? Who does it cater to? Yeah, I think that's the other interesting thing for uh, North American dealers. You have an aging motorcycle population, mm-hmm. um, and we tend to skew between 7 and 10 years younger than the average motorcycle purchaser in North America. Mm-hmm. So we tend to attract... Uh, by and large, a younger demographic, a relatively affluent demographic. Um, these are early adopters of new technologies who tend to be in that sort of first and second wave. Um, these are the people that are running out and buying the new iPhones. It's, mm-hmm. We're finding a large proportion of interest coming from people that um, either don't have a motorcycle license or had a license. So let me take a step back. We have three fundamental consumer types that, that mm-hmm. we see really become a part of the Zero Motorcycles family. The first is motorcycle enthusiasts. These people mm-hmm. love motorcycling. They have a bike or more than one bike in their life at any given time. They get interested in electric. They take a test ride. They fall in love with that experience. It's fundamentally different, transformational. And they get an electric bike. And then it tends to be parked in the front of the garage. Every day you walk out because you had it plugged in. It's full. Mm-hmm. There's practically no maintenance on it. You need brake pads and brake fluid occasionally. And mm-hmm. there's tires. Like There's not a lot of maintenance error filter changes, oil changes, any of that. So the cost of ownership is lower, the experience is more pure, all of it. It ends up in the front of the garage, the gas bikes don't get out. Mm-hmm. Number two, the returning rider. This is somebody who used to have a motorcycle and rode, and then something had them drift away. They sold the bike, they moved to a colder climate, they had kids, started a family, whatever, and now the idea of a two-wheel Tesla, the idea of electrification on two wheels in this new fundamental form of transportation is bringing them back, and they're coming back into the fold and they're riding electric. And the third is the prospect, and this is the largest group, but they also have the most hurdles. Um, so that's tends to be a little bit younger, early adopter of new technology. The idea of getting into an electric vehicle with all of those benefits but not spending a huge price tag is enticing, and they're actually stepping over the hurdles of a motorcycle license and getting engaged. So we're bringing new people to the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so for dealers, again, it's not cannibalization. You're not trading one for the yeah. other. We're attracting a totally different kind of consumer into the dealership that's helping to create more longevity for the dealers and bring in a new wave of riders to motorcycle. What kind of uh, features do you think are really drawing in younger customers than, you know, let's say Harley or Polaris? Like, you know, other other OEMs in the space. Oh, man. It, by those consumer groups, I think what brings people in is it can be highly variable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a great way to, when I first got to Zero, I started talking to the people internally about, hey, like you can be passionate about power sports. You can throw a leg over a Zero and realize that it's a different and transformational riding experience, that it's a fundamentally different thing. Um, you can be a big fan of ecology and doing things that are responsible for the environment. You can just be in love with technology, be a technologist, an early adopter. If you aren't one of those things, then you're probably walking into the wrong building every day to go to work. You should be passionate about one of those. So I think you see that same mix when it comes to our consumers. There are people that get on it. And to be honest, for me, it was the experience of riding it. Um, it was, I, I rode uh, my existing gas bike at the time to the dealership to take the test ride. And again, went from being like mm, kind of interested to I was willing to trade a bike that I had torn down and rebuilt and customized <laughs> to walk away with an off-the-shelf zero. Mm-hmm. This was completely different from what I'd expected. 
you have people that just from a sustainability standpoint and the sort of the green element or just love these bikes and love the fact that they have a much smaller footprint and they're a more sound ecological choice. Um, you have people that are just, they want this new technology and they see where it's going and they want to, you know, they, you think about what does owning one of these bikes say about you as a consumer? Uh, you're a forward-thinking but a little badass. Like, that's not a bad mix, right? You're not a motorcycle, but it's an electric motorcycle, which also says that you're this interesting blend. So there's there's a badging or personal identity piece for some of the consumers. So those reasons can be variable. We're just really lucky that we check all of those boxes. And, um, I think more than anything, what we focus on, and it may be a reflection of the people inside and our core owners, is the transformational nature of what it is to ride this. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, that's something that appeals to anybody who's in the power sports space or has the desire to ride a motorcycle is that physical sensation of riding, whether it's Europe or here, mm-hmm. that's kind of a universal thing. And I think when you see most of our narrative messaging, storytelling, it tends to center around the experience. And that wraps it up for this month's episode of Plug In with Power Sports Finance. We'd like to thank Sam Pachel and Zero Motorcycles for participating in the chat. And we are definitely looking forward to speaking with them again in October during Power Sports Finance Summit. If you like this episode, then be sure to reserve a ticket for the conference, which will be held at the Hilton San Diego Bayfront on October 23rd through 24th. Thanks for plugging in.